You are listening to the Aligned and Alive podcast with Chrissy May, where we discuss the various aspects of spirituality and wellness. A place where you can find guidance and a space to explore your life's meaning and purpose, allowing you to become connected, aligned, and feeling fully alive. Welcome back, all you beautiful souls, to another episode of Aligns and Alive. I'm your host, Chrissy May, and today we are in studio with a remarkable human being. I'm so honored to sit and share in conversation today. He is an exceptional individual who has traversed diverse paths in a single lifetime. Armed with a Bachelor of Science degree in sociology from Fort Lewis College, his journey into the world of real estate began during the tumultuous times of the Great Recession in the mid-2000s. It was during this challenging period that he honed his craft, specializing in distressed residential assets. In 2010, he harnessed his creative prowess in the realm of real estate to assist traditional buyers and sellers in realizing their dreams. A pivotal moment arrived in 2011 when he established North & Co., marking the inception of a thriving legacy in the industry. Under his guidance, North & Co. has evolved into a dynamic force, fostering the professional growth of more than 300 salespeople, while expertly managing over 1,800 home sales annually, with a staggering cumulative sales volume exceeding $1.5 billion each year. His insatiable thirst for knowledge is matched only by his unwavering commitment to share his wisdom with others. In an era where technology accelerates the pace of business, he ardently believes that self-awareness, refined communication skills, and the ability to establish genuine connections are paramount to personal and professional success. He stands at the forefront of this transformative wave pioneering a holistic approach to business and personality development. Beyond his achievements in the real estate industry, he is a dedicated personal development coach. His vision extends far beyond financial success, aiming to guide individuals towards the profound understanding that adversity, when harnessed effectively, can be the catalyst for unparalleled joy and personal growth. You'll find not just a real estate maven, but a visionary leader, a relentless learner, and a compassionate coach, all wrapped into one remarkable individual. His journey through life has been a testament to his unyielding commitment to excellence, growth, and the power of human connection. It is an absolute pleasure to sit and share in conversation today with the one and only Brian C. North. You. Ooh, is right. It's been a hot minute. It's been a hot minute. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we've lived like four different lives together. It seems as so. So Brian and I, if you don't know, met originally back in 2013, 14, somewhere in there. It feels longer ago, to be honest. It does, yeah, it does feel longer. Which is good, because it means time's not as going as fast as it really is. We're slowing time down. We're in a time warp. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he was also at my live podcast event, Mm -hmm. which was so nice to have you. Thank you You for being a part of that. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. By the way, I want to say DP. Oh, DP Gates. DP. We and I have continued conversation through social and uh i don't know hopefully embark on a potential maybe coaching with him at some point so he's incredible we'll yeah, yeah he really he's definitely is. next yeah. level that's for sure well so are you too though so you. that's why we have brian here today yep. i mean let's be real yep. okay 
So it has been obviously so fun to watch your success over the years because, you know, I mean, starting in 2011 is when I got licensed in real estate. And I believe that was right around the time that you started North & Co. 2014. 14. Yeah. Yeah. But 2011, um, I named my team North & Co, Ah. which was actually non-compliant with the Department of Real Estate. I didn't know it. But if you have and co, it means you're a company. And uh, I just thought it was a cool brand. I mean, I went through like an ad agency to create the name. So you would have seen North & Co as a label per se, but it was the name of my team, which ultimately became the brokerage. I did not yeah, know that. There you go. That's so, a good, yeah. So your timing is on is my point. <laughs> It's you a little that. close, right? Yep. Well, your story is a colorful one and one that can inspire others, obviously. I mean, you've been through a lot. You've had extreme highs, dark lows, you know, and I would love for you to just take us back a bit and share your story because we all know that the power of podcast and being where we are right now in the forefront is is an opportunity to really help so many people. Mm-hmm. And by voicing that, I think it's just another way for people to connect with you and yeah. and see what your journey's been like. I love it. How far do you want me to go back? Well, let's go way back, right? <laughs> okay. 77 way yeah. back? 77, <laughs> yep. September 10th, 1977. 17-year-old mom. You know, that that starts to tell a story for anybody who's experienced it. 19-year-old father, divorced when I was two. And, you know, my dad was geographically, they had to separate because my mom couldn't afford a place to live. So we lived with my grandmother for a period of time. And that moved us about two hours apart. And, you know, I used to tell this, like my childhood version is this thing that was like, you know, a poor kid that grew up with a single mom. I went to 12 or 13 schools before I graduated from high school. You know, it was this kind of sad story of not really being able to make friends because I knew I was going to move soon. So, you know, one upside was that I could quickly assess who was good and bad. You know, you're a good one. You're a bad one. You're friends with me. I've only got five months to go. (laughs) And then hopefully hang on to one or two of them as I like went through my life. And, you know, it was it was tough. We lived in inner city, Orange County, California, white minority, which another part of the story is I found out 10 years ago, I'm not white. Um, I'm, Mex- I'm me- Mexican, actually, um, which is a fun part of the story. Um, but, you know, I used to tell that story that was like, and then, you know, Phoenix rises from the ashes and realizes he learns from everybody else's mistakes and goes on to be, you know, successful real estate guy. And I, you know, one of my favorite things that I say now is change your story, change your life. Mm. Right. And it's like, if I keep telling the story that way, then I'm the struggling poor kid that grew up to a single mom. And, and that creates energy between me and my mom. That's not okay because my mom did the best she could. And so it's like, okay, what's the real story? And the real story is that, you know, my mom is, was a loving mom. I was loved, which you know, I know very, uh, I don't know say nuclear, nu- nucleus type oh, yeah. households where there's not a lot of love. You know, I had mom and dad and golden retriever and a white picket fence <laughs> and no love. And I can say it was this very unique vagabond type lifestyle, but I had love. And I think that I've come to understand the power of that part of my childhood in my adult life because there's not a lot that I fear in my life. And it's kind of always been that way. I'm extremely spontaneous. Guess what? I went to 13 schools and we got evicted on a regular basis or had to move because we couldn't afford it, which led to spontaneity being very normal for me. Being able to pick up on a moment's notice and take an abnormal risk, like something that for most people would be like, I have to plan for two years to do that thing. You know, loving to travel and travel for me means sleeping in a tent for a week off grid in Mexico on a surf trip or sleeping in a five star because I've earned it in, you know, Europe. And everything in between and probably a little bit of when I'm in a five star, I want to be in a 10. A little bit when I'm in a 10, I want to be in a five star. But I think it's important for me to share with people that we have an opportunity to reframe our story. 
even if it's just a part of it, even if it's one little nugget where you're like, I always get to this part of my story where I go, I had a bad relationship with my dad, or I get to this little part of my story where I'm like, I never got along with my siblings, or I hated my school because it was a, I don't know, a religious school or something like that. And for me, it's like, take a moment to pick apart that part of your story and go, what is it within that story that really afforded you who you are now? Because if we all could shut off the noise for like five minutes, hopefully for an hour, I work to do it for one hour a day. I mean, when I say shut off the noise, I mean, shut off all the noise and go into a deep breath session. When I get into that space, when I open my eyes, I realize about 97% of the time, I'm right, I'm exactly in the place I would wish I would have been my whole life. And I think most of us really are in that place, free of, man, I'm having a hard time paying my bills right now. Me too, you know what I mean? No matter how big or small our bills are, like, you know, it, it's a challenge out there. But that kind of way back story is raised by a single mom. Dad was always there by phone. He had values. My mom was kind of a young party girl, which was kind of fun. It taught me how to, you know, there were always unique people around, you know, so I got to be able to converse and things like that. But when I look back on my story, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm no longer telling that story in a thing that was like, it was tough. Look at me now. It's like, I look back on it now and I go, man, every single thing about where I am is because of how hard it was. Absolutely. Right. And I'm really, really thankful for that. That was Southern California. I moved to Colorado. She remarried, moved me to Colorado at the beginning of middle school. I went to high school there. And then at 17, home was unique at that stage of my life. I had come to realize as a young adult that it, it wasn't as beautiful and glitzy and glammy in terms of like... <laughs> You know, I, I thought everyone in my life was a superhero and found out they weren't. And so I left home and I moved to Durango, Colorado to try and be a pro snowboarder. Tore my ACL in the first years I was there and walked into admissions at Fort Lewis College and said, I can't make a career snowboarding, so I should figure out how to get a student loan and end up going to school. I worked at a restaurant there after college and I ended up waiting on the owner of the Mercedes-Benz dealership in Scottsdale. And that's how I got to Arizona. I came to here to sell Mercedes-Benz. Really? The rest is kind of history. Oh my yeah. gosh. What made so, you want to go that route? I didn't. I was looking for my next opportunity. You know, my whole thing was I've always been, I guess, hyper ambitious. It was like, I want to live a big life. I believed, I literally, as a young person, I've always believed anything was possible and it was my world. Like, this is my world. Like, I, everyone's just living in it. And by the way, I love all of you too. You know, I want everyone to hang out here. It's a cool place, you know? And I used to tell my, it was actually my girlfriend at the time who became my wife. I used to tell her, she'd be like, why, why are you ironing your apron? And I was like, because I'm auditioning. And she, I called it auditioning. Every shift that I worked waiting tables, it was at a really nice restaurant. Mm -hmm. And in Durango, we had a lot of people who were second homeowners, entrepreneurs. I was making conversation with these people and realizing I was in the front of people who might be able to afford me network and opportunity. And I mean, I was, I was meticulous about what I was bringing to each shift that I worked and I called it auditioning. Mm -hmm. And when Mr. Schumacher said, do you want to sell cars? I said, I actually said ne never. And he handed me his card and it was Mercedes Benz in Scottsdale. And my former wife was from Prescott. And I didn't know anything about Arizona, but I thought if we're going to make a move, let's go somewhere where she's familiar because I'm sure I'm going to be working like a dog. And so we said we both agreed and we moved here to work at Mercedes-Benz. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how the, that your mindset was so dialed in at that in that young era too. And becoming like coming from your background, which was, I guess, if you want to call it humble beginnings, I mean, it's, it's how you look at it, right? And you just, it's in you. Like yep. it's in who you are to understand the power of relationship building community, which is your brand and has been forever. And it's just, it's, it's you. Yeah. And it's just amazing that it started. How old were you? 18, 19, 20? Uh, let's see. I was uh, 19 at that time, but you know, 
even before, I mean, I left home at 17 yeah. and I like went and got a full-time job and I got my first apartment and I bought a car and I bought a dirt bike. And I mean, like I like was getting loans and was had debt and stuff at 17. I mean, mm-hmm. I was, I was already on a, like, I was like, oh, you can go to the bank and get a dirt bike. Like, I'm going to get a dirt bike. I'm getting a dirt bike, you know, just right. whatever yeah. in my mind I thought I could get. It was like, oh, I just have to make more money than I spend. Like, no problem. I'll do that. Health insurance. <laughs> right. ah, who cares? Exactly. You know what I mean? But it's always been, I want to go surf. Okay, let's, I'll hitchhike. I mean, yeah. I would literally hitchhike to the beach and surf from Colorado. So you're Colorado. a free spirit. I full go. Yeah. Yeah. No, very, I keep my free spiritedness pretty quiet. You know, yeah. like even if you follow me on social, you you won't see a lot of my travels, but I, I you know, if I don't have the kids that weekend, I'm 50-50 as a parent and I wake up on Friday and have no work on Saturday, Sunday, let's I jump in, it. I have a travel van and I jump in my van and I'll drive to Sedona or I'll drive to California and surf or whatever, but I go a lot. Do you think that came from your childhood? Yeah, I mean, Just I think, having that- yeah, I mean, we moved a lot. Yeah. So Just moving was, movement was normal, you know, I mean, and it's a blessing and a curse, honestly, it really is. Um, it's great for me because yeah. I experience my world <laughs> yeah. full tilt. It's terrible for most people that are in my life. Because I just go. Unless you, know? you find somebody who loves the same. I, I do. And, and yeah, even even still, people like information. People deserve information. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you're in partnership, you know, didn't, right. it's like, but aren't you coming with me? It's like, <laughs> well, I didn't know we were going. You know what I mean? So, you know, and in business too, you yeah. know, I'm just a go. I, I have a thing where I say, if, if I had a watch, every hour on the watch would say now. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's just like, I don't. I act and figure it out later. You I know love I mean? it. So, so yeah. then what brought you from Schumacher to real estate? What I sold a car to a real to a wholesale investor. Okay. And he was a year older than me buying a $100,000 car and I was selling him. That's literally how I said it. I'm like, you're buying one. I'm selling him. What do you do? And he said, I'm in real estate. He didn't tell me what he did. Um, he was a private wholesaler. He worked out of his house. He went out and hustled up deals and would get an assignment contract and assign him for a fee. Mm-hmm. And I said, I want to do what you do. And he said, great. You want to knock doors? And I became a door knocker. Before everything started. That's 2006. Okay. April 19, 2006 was my first day in real estate. Wow. Yeah. So right, you know, it was right about the time I kind of figured out how to open escrow and, <laughs> you know, do all that stuff. You know, I was on the front end of the Great Recession. And um, so interestingly enough right now, it feels it feels my spidey senses are tingling right now in real estate. I, I think it's it's going to be it's going to be challenging for a little while, but it's mm-hmm. not it's just, it's not going to be the same. It's just going to be different, which I don't I don't wish any any pain on anybody from a homeowner or a business perspective, but there's going to be a lot of opportunity in the next few years in this business. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's in any recession, yeah. there's opportunity. Yeah. And I think that's where that mindset needs to start flipping for people. Sure. And you have to learn how to pivot yeah. because if you've only learned how to do, you know, traditional home selling, sure. then you're going to be in a world of trouble. Yeah, and I think, look, if you're only traditional home selling, you just have to adopt that there's going to be another way to do a traditional home sale. Right. You know what I yeah. mean? I think, you know, right now it's, and I see a lot of sheep um, mm. out there right now. You know, a lot of people who are still trying, it's interesting. I'm realizing that even the still the same rules apply, which is like, oh, it's gotten hard for me. So I'm just going to go to a new brokerage. I mean, I see that in my business, right? right. And I'm All like, I, it happened yesterday. We had a couple of agents let me know that they were going to another brokerage and it was heartbreaking. It's always heartbreaking. It'll never not be heartbreaking for me. I I, pour, I I care so deeply for the people that work with me. And one of my, one of our partners called and, and asked me, you know, like, how are you feeling? And I was like, I feel bad for them. Mm. And it was like, they thought they, I was going to say something about myself. And I just said, they're not asking business questions. It's like, oh, my, this gal I've worked with for a long time, side by side, the industry went there and said it's awesome. 
And I'm like, do you know that we're on the front end of a beatdown right now mm -hmm. and you're going somewhere because your friend is there and you're going to move, you know, multi-millions of dollars of business there? Like, did you ask these questions or these questions or these questions? And this is me looking out for you. I know it could feel like I'm positioning myself to sell you back into the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. I'm not. When I've realized it's about agents. When they decide, they're gone. Yeah. And so there's this thing for me and it's like, no, 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 I didn't ask those questions. I've never done this before. So I didn't know to ask those questions. And it's like, oh, shit. No, it's, uh, it's one of those where it's going to be an interesting time. And it, this is going to be a time where people really need to hunker down and find their, find their people, find their anchor, find their leadership. Mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, it's, I'm excited. I, right? <laughs> I'm excited. Well, especially yeah. when you have such a strong foundation yeah. in the community mm -hmm. and you, you, you already know your truth, yeah. right? You yeah. know what you give, you know totally. what you present, all that. I don't think you need to resell, right? It is what it is. And yeah. Eventually, people figure that out. But I liked what you mentioned on social a couple of days ago when you brought up, correct me if I'm wrong, but there should be almost like a rule and regulation where you can't just pick up, mm -hmm. you know, with agents. You know, here's what I've learned. And, and I, I brought that up as to poke people a little mm -hmm. bit, just to have them go more introspective. I wanted to be a mirror for people sure. with that one, which was what you're talking about, as I said, you know, what if there, what if? Not we should make it happen, but what if there was a rule that said you can only move your license once ever in your career you lost your license? How would you reframe? Would you ask different questions? Would you have asked right. business questions when you made that move? Would you have asked, hey, would you have asked to meet with leadership? Would you ask to understand and know who all the owners are? You know, if you're a person who's about alignment and energetic alignment, would you have been like, who is the, what is the character of the people that are behind the scenes? Because I need to know who's back there behind right. the curtain because I want to know that that there's a flow of energy both ways and that we're up to something bigger than wearing fancy shoes. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't right. know what That's it is, good. right? I'm just, I'm picking on the, the industry a little bit. Yeah. But there's another part for me, which is I have had to, and it's been a beautiful upgrade in my awareness about how it works, is people don't leave against me. People leave for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I'm never going to change that. Mm -hmm. And uh, that doesn't mean it doesn't feel any better or worse, but they're not, nobody's doing it to hurt me. You know, they, they're doing it because they think that there's there's going to be something better over there. Right. And uh, and you more often than not, it's like, you know, I can always try it and if I don't like it, I'll come back. You know, it does, doesn't feel awesome because, you know, as a brokerage owner, you're in a place where, you know, you either have to say, no, you can't, which is not true because I would want them back. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of a meh, like, you know, right. I'm being a baby. Um, or it's like, all I can say is, okay. And it's a really unique industry that way. You know, in a corporate world, you know, you can't be like, hey, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to go try it over <laughs> at, at Pepsi because Coke stinks. And if it doesn't work, then I'll come back to Coca-Cola. Like, no chance that's going to happen. Well, it's like and a relationship it, too, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. how many times do you take somebody back in a relationship? Yep. I mean, I feel like if we if we led with our relationships the way we do yeah, business and vice yeah, versa, it'd yeah. be a totally different ballgame. I take them all back. So yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't work for me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm a lover. I can't yeah, give, I I can't I give up. Too. But so. that is how, that's yeah. interesting you brought that up because that was one of my questions further down, but I'm going to bring it up right yeah, now. Yeah. It's like when I met with you in 2014, 15, we had lunch at North. And at the time, I wanted to start a small team. And you were like, why do you want to do that? I'm like, oh, because of this and that. And you're like, you have to be prepared for people to leave. Like, do you understand that you're going to put a lot of time and investment in all this in people for them, honestly, just to pick up and leave after they get what they need sometimes? How have you been able to handle that and transition over the years? Because you've personally grown. So obviously, the way you navigate your business is much different than it was 10 years ago. Totally. I vibrate through prayer. No. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's what I do. Yeah. I, when I breathe in, when I breathe out, I breathe out everything that needs to go away. And when I breathe in, I breathe in everything that wants to be connected to me, everything. 
a bird, a tree, a lake, mm -hmm. a person, a partner, money, anything that's supposed to vibrate with what I'm bringing to the world is going to show up. Mm -hmm. And for me, anything that leaves is supposed to leave to make room for everything else that's supposed to show up. And I believe that wholly in my soul. And that's how I find solace in those moments of human pain. It hurt when they told me yesterday. It sucked. I woke mm -hmm. up at, I went to bed at 9.15. I knew I needed some rest. I could feel it. And I woke up at like 1.50, I think it was, or 1.15. And did all the things you do as a human when you lose sleep over stuff. I went all the way to like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. That's just a human, that's pain, you know? And then I fell asleep at about the point that I started laying my back and put my hands up mm -hmm. and start doing my weird breathing. And that's when I start going, Brian, you've asked for this. Every single day that you're in your meditation, you're asking for that which isn't aligned to go away and that's supposed to be aligned to come in. And, you know, when I started understanding and reading a lot of different texts about the laws of the universe and understanding the law of polarity, you have to have death to have life. Um, you have to have clearing to fill the space. Um, and for me, it's, it, it's the true form of surrender, which is trust and knowing that there's, I'm not in control. Um, usually I'm suffering when I'm resisting. That's it. If I let Everybody, go, yeah. if I let go, I'm usually feeling pretty good. Yeah. And so that's really where, where I find solace and movement is I'm up to playing. I just remind myself regularly, Brian, you're playing a different game. You know, and I can't tell everybody the game I'm playing. If I said what I just said to most people, the 51% of people would be like, uh, <laughs> she's smoking, dog. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I, so I keep it a secret-ish unless I'm offered a platform to do it. And the reason I'll talk about it so openly is because the people that need to hear it have asked to hear it and they're going to hear it and we'll connect. This morning I had 10 people at my breath work and so I, I want there to be a thousand but only 10 called for it. So that's what showed up. And that's just how I play the game and a little bit of everything. Well, there's that space of, there's freedom in yeah, that, you know? Purely. And yeah. I feel like that, I know I've learned the art of surrender more than ever before. And it's a fun space when you look at it to be in because you have this curiosity of like, what's next? What's coming in my life next? What's the next miracle? Yeah. And I feel like that's when you're, that's when you really get the juiciness of life because yeah. you, you release all control. And like you said, what's meant to be will show up in your space and what's not will leave to make space for what is. Yeah. So... How are you right now? Like, how are you? How are you really right now? I'm the best I've ever been in my whole yeah. life, ever. Um, you know, my, I'm in love with myself for the first time in my whole life. The way that I created safety is as a child in those unsafe environments. My mom, when I say a party girl, she wasn't like a wild child, but she was just really pretty and she had dudes around all this. She was 27 when I was 10 and I was 10 going on 20. So like I looked so unassuming, but I was so aware of my surroundings. And the way that I created safety for my mom and my sister was to be a likable kid. And it, it came with some like being cool, understanding pop culture. Um, I was a whiz kid at sports stats. And it, I did all of that to be received in this unique environment that was created around my household. And later what that transitioned to into life was that every time that I was told I was a good guy, it created safety. So I created a good guy complex, which a lot of who I am inside, I'm, I'm a competitor. I'm a warrior by nature. Like literally, I believe I have warrior spirit. Warrior spirit is not a good guy all the time. 
and a very necessary component of the world. The world needs warrior energy as much as it needs ultra feminine energy. And when my warrior energy would come out, I would hear that I'm not a good guy. And I would hear it from the people closest to me, like my ex-wife or my most recent girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And both of them said very similar things about the warrior that would show up. The like ultimate protector of the universe, right? And uh, while I didn't know how to communicate it well, it was whole and it was pure. And it wasn't liked by the people that I cared the most about. So I started beating that out of myself. Um, I really started tapping into my feminine and abandoning my warrior. And I was confused. I was super lost. After my divorce, I was like, I'm a bad guy. Like I literally was like, I'm a winner. And I lost my family. And so I would look in the mirror and I'm just like, I'm a bad guy. You know, like what is wrong with me that like I'm so feisty and I'm so competitive and I'm so driven to consume information and teach and help and like, and all the stuff was perceived poorly in relationships. So I started beating it out of myself until I hit all time low. And then I started self-medicating mm -hmm. and that was good for a very short period of time, but I'm enough of, uh, I have enough self-awareness to go, this isn't serving me. So I stopped drinking for nine months. Uh, I think we might've connected on social when I started mentioning psych psychedelic right. journey. In that psychedelic journey, the most profound thing was reawakening my warrior. And it was a connection that I had with, with source, God, spirit, um, that basically said, Anybody who's been in psychedelic experiences, you don't hear someone say something. It's more of a feeling, but it was, you know who you are and you know what you're supposed to do. Right. So take the backpack off. It was this feeling of like completely taking the backpack off all this weight that I was carrying of trying to be what other people wanted me to be and go be who I'm supposed to be. And that's what you have probably seen, you know, in the last year on social media that's us setting up for this and you going, Hey, we might go deep a little bit. And I'm like, I really don't give a fuck. I'll say anything and you can share absolutely <laughs> anything because my truth is my truth. Yeah. And because I understand polarity, some, if, if I curse, someone's going to delete. No problem. I'm okay with that. If I say woo woo stuff and crystals and all kinds of whatever, someone's going to delete. But guess what? There's going to be two or other three other people that are going to go, this is my guy. And I understood that being polarizing is a necessary component of being seen in your true self mm. that you can't play neutral and be seen it doesn't work and i've watched people really close to me that i care about play neutral and get trampled over and over and over and not understand why because they're only trying to play from this altruistic i'm nice and i'm good to everybody why do i get keep getting taken advantage of and it's because I believe that in our existence, especially if we're being true to ourselves, we have to purely be ourselves unapologetically. And that doesn't mean at, in, um, at, at the expense of others. Please don't take that in, in that way. And as soon as I started doing that, the pace at which I started attracting rich, really rich relationships and few, by the way, not many, but few, and then getting some reinforcement, you know, man, that was inspiring. Oh, that really helped me. Oh, hey, I want to call you and just say that sort of stuff was reinforcement into the scary space that I was embarking on that everything was going to be okay. And now the work is to really work to stay grounded because you get, I can get excited, right? right? And it's like, oh my gosh, everyone loves me. Yeah. Not everyone does love me, but at least sure. the people I want to love me, yeah. love me. I'm doing it all right. And I'm not doing it all right, but it's exciting to get that reinforcement. But I think more than anything now, it's like, I am a warrior. I am competitive. 
I'm a winner. I, I care deeply. I'm a protector. Come with me. If you trust me, you will win. If you don't like me, it's okay. Go away. And by the way, I'm going to love you on the way out the door the way I loved you on the way in the door. Don't hurt me or don't hurt my people. I'm telling you, just don't do it. It's not going to be good for either of us. What it's really led me to is the power of no. I've said no more in the last four months than I've ever said in my life to things that are the most enticing, right? Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Let's mm -hmm. just go there. And it's like to say no 15 times in the face of things when you have freedom and access and means and those kinds of things. You talk about like looking in the mirror and seeing yourself and then being able to say no to things. I actually uh, met the founder of Airborne Vitamin C. Oh, yeah. uh -huh. He's a, you know, He's obviously high net worth, billionaire, uh, super successful and very inspirational guy. And I spent about 10 minutes with him one-on-one -on -one and he got to hear me speak and was very gracious, you know, and tell me, man, it was, I see myself in you, which is about the best compliment you can ever get, especially from a young man, from an older man, at least in, in my world. And he just put his hand on my shoulder and he said, I just want to let you know the devil will show up when you're at the top. And I was like, and there have been some things that have happened lately and I just, I just hear him on my shoulder. And when I say no and depart from those particular situations and I get quiet and I sit by myself, I can say, you're showing up as yourself. You're fully, fully in your authentic and vulnerable space. You know and believe with conviction who you are and what your value is in the world. And in that power, you are able to say no to the things that are going to knock you off of that. And I don't know how to explain it except to just say it feels like the biggest flex that any person can ever experience. I love that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing yeah, that. That's totally. incredible yeah. because that's right. Well, you're speaking your truth yeah. and now you're in your power yeah. and you're right where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. You know, when, when people start seeing us rise and standing in our power and speaking our truth and not caring, right? Leave it with love, obviously. Yeah. How were you able to now handle the ones that maybe were a little too sensitive to mm -hmm. your nose now? Because maybe before they were used to the old Brian and now they're having to face this new warrior spirit that's, you know, coming out like a blaze. How do you navigate that with grace? I mean, I can't say I, I do always do it with grace. Yeah. You know, I'm presently um, single. That's that's a newer thing. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. I'm not sure I'll be that way in that situation forever, but it needed to happen right now. And I didn't do it very gracefully. So it was all warrior. Um, and I can look back and go, I know what I could have done different. Right. But that's all I can do is learn. That's how I would do that different or more graceful. Right. On the other hand, you know, there have been times in my life where I would drag things out in the spirit of not quitting for so long that it did more damage for everybody involved because there was an, a, a method of, of leading on and letting go and leading on and letting go. And I mean, that's almost more, that's torture, you know, instead of just like what seems abrupt, you know, and this like definitive, it is what it is. And then it, it almost seems impulsive. And, it, and especially, you know, for me, I emote inside, I don't emote external. Mm -hmm. And so if you're on, if you're my partner and it's like, there's this decision that's made and then I don't see anything coming out of you, it feels like, are you dead? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, and the answer is no, I just don't emote like you do. Um, you know, I always offer like, do you have any questions? Cause I'd be happy to explain what's happening inside of me, but really it's, if you don't ask, then there's only assumptions. And I've learned in relationship that to listen is often better than it is to talk. And so 
I really only talk when asked at this point. It tends to be a better method. On the other hand, if there's some buddies, let's say, that I've participated in things with in the past that expect an old Brian to show up, I really don't care as much mm -hmm. because of this. You know, to me, the decisions I'm making are leadership decisions. And if you're in relationship with other leaders, they may not like it in the moment, but they'll understand. And I've realized pretty quickly in the last six or eight months as I've really begin to shine in all of the quiet work that I've been doing for the last two years. I've been shocked at who's stayed shocked. Really? Like you're the one that you, you're the one <laughs> I thought for sure you would have been the one that sloughed off because I don't want to go out at night and I don't want to, you know, I want to do what I want to do. You're not going to come meditate with me for sure. You're not going to go to Sedona and go to a portal and sit on a rock and, you know, do the, you're not doing any of that, but you're the one that calls me every morning to check on me. You're the one that says, Hey dude, I know you're not going to go out late, but can we grab an early dinner before I go out tonight? Like you're the one like, and so there's this thing for me where it's like, you know, leadership activity, leadership, um, action begets leadership relationship. And so there's this thing for me of like, I'm going to be who I'm going to be. And the right ones are going to be there standing next to me. And it was scary. It was really scary to, to buy into letting go, meaning the potential of letting go. I really have to say it's, it's really cool when you wake up in a new version of yourself and there's four or five of your total of seven or eight still standing. And you're like, wow, like A, I'm a good pick and B, you, you're the real ones. Um, you know what I mean? So, but, but with, with, I will say at least in my male relationships, it's a bit easier because we speak a similar innate language, you know, like, Hey bro, is it cool if I call you and check on you? Yeah. Like, yeah. I would really love that. Hey, what's up? And then we'll go deep and we'll end with, I love you. I mean, I extract feminine out of the men, male relationships that I have for sure, just by way of the way that I am and the way that, that I be feminine's a little bit different. If I'm full warrior and I'm working on being a better communicator, you know, I, it's not innate for me to understand the way that I'm being received or the way I'm not being received. Um, you know, it's like, how do you not understand the most literal explanation of anything I could ever give? You know, I'm, I'm known for trying to explain something emotional, like, like, yeah, my heart is bleeding. What do you mean by that? Uh, I don't know how I can say it any different than that. Like I would say, you know, I would say that that's not the way to communicate in those. That is not graceful. Yeah, right. right. Um, graceful is how could I explain that different or how could I explain that better? Mm -hmm. um, do you have any questions about what I mean by my heart is bleeding? Um, you know, the, I'm practicing that stuff right now. I'm in no way graceful. Mm. Yeah. All of it is so good. Um, do you mind if I go a little deeper on relationships? Anything. Because it's yeah. been a common theme the last several episodes and I have some one coming on in January that's expert in this space. Most relationships, would you disagree or agree that start ending several months, years prior before the real ending happens? Oh yeah. That's why I said it seems impulsive. Correct. Right. Yeah. If I'm if, again, my, if I emote inside and then I'm like, it's over and you're like, oh my gosh, you just pulled out a guillotine and whacked my head off. You're impulsive. Right. I actually even said like, I, I've been, this decision's two years old. Correct. And so how do you work through that. I guess when someone else is going through the same situation, because I know a lot of people are right now, how do you know when to pull that trigger? When to say enough's enough? Do you start feeling physically your body mm -hmm. is feeling it now? Yes. Like in your heart, in yeah. your stomach, yes. you're taking a toll now for physically. Sure. Yeah. And that's 100%. a wake up call going, hello. Yeah. That, that for sure was the first wake up okay. call, but I've, 
I've got an immense, I say this out loud, I, I, I shouldn't say this out loud. Um, I, I am growing out of an immense emotional pain threshold. My childhood equipped me to be able to handle a lot. Mm -hmm. And so the physical pain was an awareness that like this is wearing on me. So much so that just a couple of days ago, I looked in the mirror and I looked fit. And I was like, I wonder how much of me being fit has to do with relinquishing the weight of the relationship. I said it three days ago in the mirror. So yes, that was a physical. What I started doing, and this is probably like, you know, I would judge me when I, if I watched myself saying this, because it seems so like, uh, 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 like Excel spreadsheet, but like everything for me is kind of a like risk reward analysis or like a, a T bar plus and minus analysis. And ultimately the decision for me was this first, the biggest mistake I've ever made in relationship is trying to change someone else. It's the biggest mistake ever. It would be good if she would just X. As soon as I say that, it's now it's just a big mirror. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, dude, you're wasting time because mm-hmm. we're not in the world to change people in our in relationship. So what are you doing? And for me, I'm the ultimate like beat myself up, you know, like what can I do better? And I'm gonna and I'm a doer. You tell me it's was that I'll, tomorrow I'll be like, see, did it. I did it once and I'm I'm on it, you know, kind of thing. The ultimate when it happened for me in my analysis was I have little to no tools left. I've done the best I can and I don't have the tools to solve the riddle. I wish I did. I'm devastated that I don't, but I have no tools left. Now, how far from today to happiness in the relationship do I think we are away? If we're only this much away, and I have no tools left, then I can go get some new tools, right? But if we're this much away and I'm suffering in the relationship and I have no tools, then I'm going to exit and I'm going to go heal, not in pain. I'm going to go heal free of pain and then go get new tools, believing that all things are possible and that if you're supposed to be my partner, then we're going to come back together. But what I found myself doing was I found myself trying to heal in pain. I'm trying to solve a doom loop relationship, something we're both, we are both exercising our wound. We're wound dancing, right? Mm -hmm. And we're just, we go back to the same loop and the same, how come you're not doing this for me? And how come you're not? And if you would just do, and if you would just do, and we're like, like doing this loop, trying to heal. I'm over here going to my own therapy and I'm doing my own reading and my own wisdom and my own breathing and my own, and she was doing it too. And then we would get back together and the dance would pick right back up. So you can't heal when you're in pain. And it's brutal to be like, I'm going to make, who's going to make the decision that that we're, we, I want, I want you, the only thing I want is for you to heal. I don't want you to change. I want you to be happy. I don't want you to change. I want you to smile. I don't want you to change. I want you to look at me and tell me I'm a good man. That's what I want, but it's not working. And I don't have the tools and I don't see the tools that it's going to take to be able to get there. So I'm going to go over here and get them without you for a period of time. Mm -hmm. It might be a day, a month, a year. And in that process of that time, we might find someone else. And I have to be okay with that, which is the hardest part. Especially because, you know, especially when a physical connection means so much. That thought of your person being with Mm -hmm. somebody else physically and those kinds of things is just... That's what keeps you, you're egoically coming back. You know what I mean? To protect that sacred thing that you have. 
And for me, it's like, look, the gap is too wide. We don't know how to stop the doom loop. And I don't have the tools. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't have what it takes to make this work. So I'm going to go over here and try and figure it out so you can heal, so I can heal. We can stop the dance and hopefully come back together and make it work or find something that's more meaningful and purposeful for us. Well, sending love to you mm -hmm. both. Thank you. Because it's never a fun space yeah, to be in. No. I think that's creating that space, that breathing room, yep. like you just said, yep. is really important. Yep. And it shows a lot of care and concern on your end because harsh as it may seem or come across, it's necessary in order for that next chapter to unfold the way it's supposed to unfold. So, Happiness is a choice. Yeah. I was choosing to be in a situation that I couldn't create happiness. Yeah. And it's, the old, I, it's why I'm on the planet. I'm on the planet to bring joy to people. That's what I do. I'm happy. If there are no people around me, I'm the happiest person on the planet. So when people come around me, the only thing I want to do is impart right. joy. And if, especially with the person I'm closest to, if that person for one reason or another tells me consistently throughout a given day or a week that I'm the reason they're not happy, I'm out. That's right. not why I'm here. And nor should that, you should take that responsibility right. on because yeah. we're not responsible for other people's That's happiness. Right. We're on the subject of vulnerability and courage and it kind of leads me into what I had prepared to ask you. Um, Brene Brown, I know you know her. I do. Defines vulnerability as uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. She talks about her time with the Navy SEALs and Special Forces and how they agreed that courage goes hand in hand with vulnerability. Everyone wants to be brave, but they don't realize in order to be truly brave, it is going to involve being vulnerable, which is uncertainty, risk, and exposure. How have you been able to navigate this process in your own life, personally and professionally, since your work does involve working with the community and hundreds of agents, and specifically also speaking now that I know about this with what you're going through, how do you go through that? Because now it's not just you and your significant other that are going through this. It's a community of people that are brought into it, whether you like it or not, to some degree, right? It's going to happen because everyone knows everybody. How do you work through that? How do you stay in your lane and still heal and get the tools necessary to show up and still be in that leadership position when you're so all entwined, I guess is the best word I could use. Yeah. Um, the first thing is, is I know the life that I want in the future. And all I can do is be the person today that gets that life when that life comes to me. With that comes loss. I'm going to fail. I'm going to do it wrong. Someone in public is going to say, he's an asshole. He did it wrong. I heard something about him, right? And Loss equals learn. That's it. Win equals gratitude. It's super simple. Lose, learn. Win, thank you. Repeat, rinse, repeat, <laughs> rinse, repeat, right? And do the best I can to be who I have said, who I have written about, who I aspire to be my kids to talk about at my funeral, the best I can possibly be while knowing that I'm still human. And the other thing in the public eye for me is the one thing I know is that nobody's perfect. And the louder that people are about my mistakes, the more insecure they are about their own. And it offers me an opportunity to feel compassion for them. 
So as far as the public eye is concerned, when people are ruthless toward me, it just offers me an opportunity, a compassion for them. And if there's people that are cheering for me, I just say thank you, right? That's all I can do. And I've experienced, the good news is most of what I'm able to share with you is based off of experience. I've made really bad mistakes in public with a lot of eyes on me and had a lot of people really mad at me and had to navigate like, am I a bad person? I'm not. I made a bad choice. Bad choices don't make you're a bad person. Um, I once uh, went to, I have a great therapist, Kathleen Thorne, that I've worked with for a very long time. And um, I said to her, like, I just feel so much shame around a particular decision that I made. And she said, do you know what the difference between guilt and shame is? And I said, no. And she said, guilt is you've done something wrong. And shame is there's something wrong with you. And I was like, oh, then I don't feel shame. She was like, you feel guilt. And I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to use the word shame ever again. There isn't anything wrong with me as long as I'm willing to learn. Um, Unfortunately, unfortunately, I signed up for a leadership position. Um, My personal life is to the degree that I, that I allow for it to be is going to be in the spotlight. And I, I authorize people by my seat that I sit in to make judgment, to place judgment on me. Um, and it's okay. I'm human and it doesn't always feel great. Um, but if I play by those fundamental principles I just shared with you, that offers me the closest, you know, example to freedom that I can get. Absolutely. And you show up and you lead by example and you just continue down the road of your own journey of personal growth and development, which you are, fully committed to. I mean, that's who you are. I think it's that warrior spirit that you were talking about that comes out that allows you to blaze that trail forward. That's going to help other people that are in that space of stagnancy that can't pick up and go that are in relationships that they're not happy in because they're scared. They're scared to get uncomfortable and to feel that what you just mentioned that even that physical, you know, distance, you know, that's, that's leaving you for that period. It's, it's a hard, hard road, but if you want a bigger, bold, beautiful life, what do we got to do? Totally. You got to yeah. step into that, that role and that uh, unknown. Yeah. Also, I just uh, watched a great interview with um, Anderson Cooper and Stephen Colbert. Yeah. I don't know if you, if you saw it, but I they, they both. both have experienced pretty heavy familial tragedy. And Anderson Cooper's in, interviewing him and asked him a question of like, you know, there's a, a comment that you made that's like, basically, in so many words, I'm paraphrasing, you're thankful for the pain that God imposes on you. And Stephen Colbert responds with, I'm not necessarily thankful for it, um, and I don't like it, and I wish that it didn't happen. However, if I want to live a giant, beautiful life, I have to love all of it. I can't pick the parts that I like and try and abandon the other parts because it's all part of one big, beautiful life. And so in that space of bravery and risk and community and public and how do you do it the way that you do it, I'm living a big, beautiful life. I have to love all of it. Part of that is that that person gets to exercise their insecurity on me. I'm happy to be that beacon for them. I almost started crying a little bit during that. (laughs) You made (laughs) a post on Instagram the other day that said, happiness is simply getting better and enjoying everything around you while it's happening. You say, I stopped complaining, making excuses, accepted that social conditioning had tricked me into being Mm -hmm. closed to new awarenesses. I started trying new things. I once said, we're weird, woo-woo. And eliminated, I am not one of those, language, such as a morning person or a runner, and life began to blossom. You go on to say how you're the happiest you've ever been, and you give it all to trying new things and loving the challenging and the beautiful. 
I love this on so many levels because it really is falling in love with the process of life in the present moment of even during our peaks and valleys, right? Like we're going through those moments in life, but we can still find the beauty in it. And I think that was just so poignant. And the contrast of life is what it really is about, right? And it allows us, I feel, to heighten our appreciation for it all. And don't do that because you're going to make me start doing that. It really does, though. It, he it heightens the appreciation for all of it. And I feel like, as you mentioned, when you arrived this morning, one life. We have one life. And and how we have to squeeze the most out of it, right? And it, and that unfortunately, fortunately comes with those tough decisions. But I'd love for you to elaborate just more on that process of how can someone really truly fall in love with their life day to day? I say it and I speak on it every single day on social media. And I truly feel that, by the way. Like if I feel something just like a breeze in my face, I'm like, oh, I'm alive. I'm alive, God, thank you. How can someone tap into that moment of appreciation and love for life, even during really dark times? Oh, man. Let me think. That made me a little emotional, you reading that. It's the most recent post I think I posted on social media, and I don't ever think people read my captions. That's do. a made-up thing that I, <laughs> uh, that I have in my mind. And um, it's a really profound caption for me because it's just one of the truer things in my life. And it's the reason I got emotional is because it's a really, it's a micro reflection of the biggest decision I ever made in my life. It's a, it's a really small set of words that tell the whole story. And the whole story is, is that as soon as I started to change my language, everything in my life started to change. And it requires this dual awareness. It's like when I'm talking, you heard me, I almost said earlier, I have a high emotional pain threshold. Mm. That's what I was going to say. And I stopped and I said, I'm not going to say that out loud. I don't want to have a high emotional pain threshold right. anymore. I want, if I'm in partnership in business or partnership with, in love, mm -hmm. I, I want to be seen in my emotion. I don't want to be seen as a rock, you know, or a robot. And certainly on the inside, I'm dying, but it's like, I don't need it. I would like to be able to communicate in an emotional way that could be seen or accepted. And so that's why I changed that language, right? When I was talking, that is an example of a very deep practice of not believing our own bullshit and going, yeah, you know, I just have a heavy emotional pain threshold because I was born to a 17 year old mom and went to 13 year schools. And that's why I'm the way I am. And you should just like it. And I'm like, but it doesn't serve me. So I'm not going to say that anymore because it's not true. What's true is I want to be seen emotionally. So I'm going to change the way I say that. And you heard me say, I'm growing out of, I am still hard in terms of the way that I emote externally. So I can't say I'm not, that mm -hmm. wouldn't be real, but I'm certainly up to the work and that you heard me reframe it. Same thing with, I used to say, I'm not a runner until I started running. Yeah. And then I was like, gosh, it hurts, but I think I'm going to do it another. And I started with, I'm going to run a half mile and then I'm going to run a mile. And then got to a point where I'm running five miles in the desert at 4.30 in the morning all summer while everyone's complaining about the hottest summer ever on record. I'm out healthy in nature, winning, building my confidence again for the first time in a long time, really coming alive because I said, I think I'm a runner or I'm not a morning person. I'm going, oh wait, all I have to do is say I'm a morning person. But if I'm saying it out loud, then I probably have to go to bed earlier. 
So I'm going to be the guy that goes to bed earlier now. Instead of saying, I'm a night owl and I watch Netflix until midnight, I just can't fall asleep because my mind's racing and falling in love with the idea of like, well, maybe it would be good for me, so I'm going to try. And in those few small examples, which are really all fundamentally in changing language, it's whatever I say out of my mouth, I have to listen to whether or not I actually believe it's true or not. And if it's not, then I have to change it. And as soon as I change it, that's the first step to actualizing change in my life. And as soon as you realize that, I mean, it's, uh, it's, like, it's like anything. I mean, I wish we could all remember what it felt like to take the first step. Mm-hmm. Like how hard it was to go from like squirming on our back <laughs> to crawling to like going along the couch, then hitting our head on the coffee table and then letting go and it working. Like what could that have felt like? right? Or our first word and being understood for the first time, right? So why do we give up on those feelings? Mm -hmm. And what amount of confidence could we create or momentum in our life could we create if we did that one little baby incremental word at a time that inspired some action that could get us to where I'm like, I just ran four (laughs) miles in the desert today. Like, I think I'm a runner. Like, what the hell? And now I'm like, I'm going to try this other new thing and this other new thing and this other new thing. And now there's a compilation of micro wins that have you feeling unstoppable. And now it's this awareness like, A, I can do anything. And B, everything that's around me is a part of making it all bigger and better. And now I have a new awareness that I can't unsee. And at that point now it's like, oh my gosh, like I have to thank it all. So when you start acquiring that next level of growth and being, and you, you can't unsee it because that's where I'm at right now, I'm just on this go mode and I just want to shine like brighter than ever and I have the confidence within, I have the strength within, my relationship with God is like so deep. I mean, I just feel so powerful right now. But how do you make that next step when you have people around you that you love so dearly that are kind of like, wait a minute, what just happened? Where are you going? You know, and you you slowly go back just to make it okay for the moment to make it, no, this is okay. Everything's fine. But you know, you want to shine out here. It's like what in your personal development coach hat right now, how would you guide someone along that journey of that next phase or that next step? Create an open door for them in all areas. You can come to church with me if you want. I don't want to. No problem. You can come and do breath work with me if you want. I don't do it your way. No problem. You can come on a trail run with me if you want. I don't like to trail run. No problem. You can come on a bike ride if you want. We can go on a spontaneous trip tomorrow. You're invited to everything I'm doing. Every, why would I not want you there? I love you. I choose not to. Choose not to, to me, then offers you an opportunity at acceptance. Because we're not created equal. And certainly the pace at which we're all going to grow individually is going to be very different. And if we're going to be, I'll speak about personal relationship, having a partner, I have to look, I have to look inward to what acceptance means. Is that an unconditional acceptance or does it come with condition, right? If it's unconditional acceptance, the door is always open and you do not have to participate and I accept you fully. There's going to be a point at some point in the future where I slow down And you're going to be in growth mode if I've picked my person because my person's going to be in growth mode. And I've picked my person and my person's in growth mode. So there's that. Where the challenge happens is when the growth is outpacing 
the other person in relationship or partnership, they realize it and they start to resist. And that resistance starts to show up in the form of resentment. And if resentment isn't in some way healed or curbed through mutual effort and work, then it's going to show up in contempt. Mm -hmm. And contempt is hate. It's a precursor to hate. And it's not hate. It's love. You can't actually have, if we again go back to the law of polarity, you can't have hate if you don't have love. Uh, Kathleen, the magic Kathleen, she always says there's no indifference in love. If you break up with somebody and they're like, eh, you know what, no problem, it was time, <laughs> then you for sure know it was time. Right. But if that person swings for the fences, throws stuff, says the most evil things ever, they love you. Because there is no indifference in love. If someone reacts, the heavier they react, the more they love you. Okay? But that also shows up in the resistance of your growth. And if, if we can remind our partner that I accept your commitment to not opting into the open door, but your resistance leading to resentment, leading to contempt is not an option for the relationship, then we have to decide if we want to be in relationship or if we want to work out of that mm -hmm. space. That's a great, great response. How does somebody get over resentment? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't have the answer to that. Yeah, um, resentment, I will say that resentment comes with, comes with expectation. Um, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, is uh, unspoken expectations or premeditated resentments, mm. right? So it's this thing of like, you know, um, I'm not... I'm not saying to you what it is I need of you. I'm just angry at you, right? And that's all a me thing. Sounds you're like angry it, at yourself. That, that's yeah, what I said. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all yeah. a me thing, uh -huh. right? I'm not telling you. How could it be a you thing? And I'm mad because you don't know what it is that I yeah, need you to know. Exactly. I'm mad. That's a mm -hmm. me thing, right? So and so, I don't know the answer. Um, I've been there before, um, and my way was to leave, and that's. I don't think that's the right answer. Um, if I were to, to guess at the practice, it would be that you got to look in the mirror. Yeah. You got to start with you mm -hmm. um, and work yourself to a place that's like, what is it that I'm doing that's resisting my ability to connect with this person? Mm -hmm. The answer is always with, within, always. always within. So, 100%. and it can be, the answer can be within that this isn't my person. I'm unaligned and I've got to move on. But um, yeah, that's, that for me is the start. That's a good start. I like it. I wrap everything up with a rapid fire round. Carly was getting candy with Carly. You are going to be getting bona fide and blunt with Brian. Let's go. Love <laughs> so, it. Oh. And instead Man, of... <laughs> I got a, a female asking me to be blunt. This is my dream. Let's go. Yeah. I'm ready for it. Yeah. And instead of 10, we're doing 22 questions. Yeah, let's and 22 is my magic number. Okay. So I love it. Are you ready? I'm ready. He has no idea what I'm about to ask him. Number one, who is the one person that you admire the most, alive or dead? My grandfather. It's the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah. Why? Uh, he was a man of faith and, and I wasn't and he didn't waver and he did everything he could to try and deliver it to me in a way that I could understand it. He was, he was the epitome of fatherly love to me from a husband and from a father. Um, he was a values-based individual. Mm -hmm. Values meant everything to him. He was extremely generous and he was funny. He was fun. He was so much fun to be around. He sounds like an yeah. amazing man. He's an amazing man. Where is your favorite place to vacation? Right now, San Miguel de Allende, Mexico. Oof. Yeah. 
What is the hardest challenge you've had to overcome in your life? Reacting. What have you learned about yourself recently? I love myself. What is your spirit animal? Mm, I have a, a few of them actually, and they came to me in a dream. Um, right after, right before, right after. I can't remember big psychedelic immersion that I mm -hmm. did um, a while back. And I was in a dream and I had, I first was being chased by a bear. Um, and so bear energy was really cool, which also is my Native American astrology. I'm a bear. So there was that. And then in the dream, it continued. And I was on this journey through these caves. And there were two cougars that showed up, like lion lionesses. Mm -hmm. And I was just like really majestically drawn to their energy. And I kept like walking through this cave and a ram like walked up like two feet in front of me and continued up this cliff. And I woke up and was like, oh my gosh, mountain lion, ram and bear energy. And I went and like studied it all and researched it. And there was just a bunch of beautiful things in there. Fascinating. So, was know. that ayahuasca? Or was uh, that... It was not. It was, it was a combo. Okay. Bufo, which is toad, mm -hmm. uh, mushrooms and changa in 18 hours. 18 hours. Yeah. Was it? Here in the United States, or was it, it was in the U.S. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have to ask the next question. Sorry, yeah. without this. Um, how did you integrate? Like, did you feel that you did a proper integration to yeah. really? Yeah. I did, and it was because of the proper lead up as well. Okay. Um, I mean, I cut out sex, sugar, caffeine, meat, uh, TV, news. Was off my phone most of the time, sleeping, deep meditation, and a two-day fast going into it. I was mm -hmm. ready to die. Yeah, yeah. So afterward, I got everything I needed from it. And um, I basically cried for five days afterward. Mm -hmm. And and then I stayed sober for nine months and um, abstained from most of those other things for a, at least a prolonged period of mm -hmm. time. And um, journaled a lot, um, remained in relative to what most people are, solitude. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with that. Do you have a calling to do it again? or? I've done it four times since, and I'm doing it again on November 11th. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk to you more about that. Sounds good. What is your proudest accomplishment? The current version of a father that I am right now. And happy 16th to Royce. Thank you so much. It was the, one of the greatest days <laughs> of my life. He looked so happy in that it's, video. It's unbelievable. Oh yeah. If you have, yeah. I mean, you have to watch the video. It makes you want to cry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No it's such a deep... <laughs> Really cool experience. Wow. Yeah. You're an amazing dad. So. Thank you. Are you, a, oh, we kind of already discussed this, but are you a night owl or early bird? <laughs> early bird, All for right. sure. Which AM club are you with? Uh, the light. <laughs> I wake up with the like light. That. I cannot, the first ounce of light that shows up, I open my eyes. I haven't set an alarm clock in I a long love time. It. So, That's yeah. great. What was the best year of your life? I mean, my real answer is right now. I mean, I'm, I, and they're all great. Uh, you know, even though it was funny, I remember I, I used to say every year was the hardest year of my life. And then I look back on what I accomplished and was like, I guess that's what it requires, you know? Um, yeah, it's the greatest year of my life for sure. Yeah. What five people would you bring with you if you were stuck on a deserted island? Mm. I would bring my friend Hunter Fatella. Uh, he's the, the greatest hunter that I know uh, personally. I'd bring my kids, uh, my two boys, Royce and Rio. Uh, I would bring the Dalai Lama. I need a woman there. <laughs> yeah, real bad. Um, I don't know who she is at the moment. I'll answer it before we're done. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Who is your celebrity crush? Ooh, uh, Christina Applegate. 
God, yeah. <laughs> that was a long time great. ago, though. I haven't had a lot of celebrity crushes since. I don't watch a lot of TV <laughs> or like either. you know movies or anything yeah. or music mostly. Um, there's a girl named Sarah Bartel. She's the lead singer for a band called Fantagram. Mm. She's I've had a, I've had a crush on her. Okay. Yeah. Sarah Bartel, mm-hmm. if you're watching. There you go. Yeah. What is your spiciest opinion that most people disagree with? That you don't have to drive a fancy car, or have a big handbag to be successful in real estate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm clapping. How do you set healthy boundaries in relationships? Say no. Love that one. What books have shaped your life the most? The Power of Now, Eckhart Tolle. Uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, uh, which is Dr. Joe Dispenza. Um, the Kabbalion, A Lion Tracker's Guide to Life. Disappearing Universe. Mm. Who wrote that? Disappearing Don't know. Okay, I'll yep. look that up. I'm not good at authors. No. Uh, I know you're a book reader, though. Mm, a so. lot, yeah. <laughs> mm. What are your favorite brands, and who is doing business right? Green Mango Pest Control is doing a really good job. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, I'm just though. I'm a business guy, and I'm just watching the way they're running the business, and I'm like, fr- I mean, they do the, cert- the way they... I mean, their trucks, the way they dress, their technicians, their marketing, uh, the way they treat their clients, uh, the creative approach to marketing. I mean, like just soup to nuts. I'm like, this company seriously has it wired, like wired. Um, it's funny because it's just front of mind for me. Yeah. They're, they're at my house right now, um, actually. <laughs> but the way they always, they text me, we're 30 minutes from your house. We'll be there. If, if Can you take, make sure the dog's put away and the code to the gate if we need it? And, you know, um, I mean, it's just, and then when they leave, they're like, we left, we're done. Everything's buttoned up. Your invoice is here. Like, it's just. Dialed in. It's just dialed. Um, See, isn't it so easy to be great it, right now? It, I feel like it it's really so is easy, easy to, to stand be great out right and be now. great. It is. You're right. Because just, I mean, owning some brick and mortars yep. here locally as well and I see a lot of it on that side and it's just it just seems so easy to yep. stand out yep. and do like you just said like that's just that doesn't take a lot of effort either you're, you're right systems you're, you're and totally just, right. just to set it up yeah I mean it's like one of those things if inflation's big right now it's like make me want to pay more yeah make me want to I'll pay more by the way I don't I really even know what I pay green mango pest control but I'll pay them more you know what I mean yeah. like it's an exceptional experience um it's kind of funny after that like aesthetic brands I like I'm a I'm a pen collector so I like Mont Blanc pens and I, I gift them to my clients um it's been a really unique kind of calling card for me it's really fun it has a memory behind it um so that's for me I just got um I just bought a, I got Instagrammed, uh, meaning I bought something on Instagram that like showed up in my, and the company is, it's, I think it's called Croquette or Croquet, C-R-O-Q-U-E-T. Um, and it's a men's fashion line and, uh, it's kind of a, kind of a hipster Western wear. And it came with this list of the, like the 10 rules of wearing Croquette clothes. And it was like, be, be a gentleman, always say please and thank you. Don't be afraid to carry a gun. Like it I just had, a, and I read oh it and, I, and it was just like, I was like, yeah, this is me. <laughs> like, a, like a man wearing man gear from men who made it. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Right. Like, and it just, it, it, you know, it was all the little things have showed up on time, packaged well. It didn't fit me right. There was a prepackaged thing so I could send it back. They made it easy. All those things matter, but it was also the little feel good that they had in there too. So just, I think it's the little things for me. Well, the little things go a long way. No, totally. I mean, it shows an extra appreciation. You got it. And now you really feel manly when you wear their clothes. You got it. <laughs> what is one idea that experts in your field say that you disagree with? No market's a bad market. And I watch leadership sabotage their salespeople with bad market language. Um, 
The other is that you need technology to survive in my industry. Everybody's tech heavy. And I think that people have completely lost sight of the fact that technology is a commodity. It's like putting gas in your car. It's here. How badly do you need gas in your car? Real bad. Right. But you don't even think about it because mm -hmm. it just, it's a commodity. It's mm -hmm. there. It exists. You show up, you put it in your car, you drive. Everyone says technology, technology, technology. And it's, to me, it's misleading and it's unfair to salespeople who are seeking leadership and guidance to be successful and being told that this is something that, that they need in order to succeed in the industry when it's a commodity. You can get it whatever you want, wherever you want it, virtually for free at this mm -hmm. point. Um, and the thing that's not being said that I think they would disagree with is that we need to retrain people how to connect with one another. COVID really fucked us up. And people are now, we're, we're worse than we were. We are already texting and... I was talking to one of my agents the other day who's dating a guy and I was, she asked me a question. I was like, go tell him how you feel about him. She's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send him a video message. <laughs> and I was like, no, that's not what I was saying. And that to her was more than a text. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm, I was like, go sit down with him and put your hand on his knee and look him in the eye and tell right. him how you feel about him. Like, so for me, um, the, the, the biggest, uh, easy space for me to create to be great, you said it's easy to be yeah, great, yeah. is uh, to curate the largest group of people who are connected with one another and know how to connect with other people. What is your favorite aspect to the role you play at North & Co.? What is your least favorite? Uh, energy. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the heartbeat. I'm the energy. I'm the, I'm the fun guy, you know? Um, my least favorite is, is ter people turnover. Um, you know, it's, it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand it. And I, I'm not supposed to. You know, it's a, it's just a part, it's a part of the game. That's, that's what I, I just have to accept it. I mean, I think I, I, I think because of my evolution, I understand why people do it, but it still doesn't, it's still confusing to me. Um, and it hurts if I'm being real. Cause yeah. you're a lover. That's right. That's why. Yeah, you got it. Rather be that than. You got it. I wouldn't trade it. Yeah. The day I always say the day that I'm callous to that is the day it's over. If it doesn't hurt anymore, I'm out. A good yeah. rule of thumb to yeah. live by. Yeah. I'd have to agree with that one. I'm all heart, so it's fine. <laughs> Everyone has a book in them. Have you thought about writing one? If so, what would the title be? Yes, I have. Um, and my son already titled it. I asked him one day, we were having a really, really deep conversation, which we do often. This is my oldest son, Royce, and we do with both. We have, we're we're in an open book. There are no, most parents I think would be like, what the <laughs> hell are you guys talking about? But I asked him, I said, um, if I ever wrote a book, what would you call it? And he looked right at me and he goes, I know, I would call it yet. And I started sobbing. <laughs> um, and the reason that he would name it that is because we have a rule in our house that if we say, I can't do something, we follow it up with yet. Mm -hmm. And it was like, he's listening. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's just we, we don't say we can't do something. If we do, we just say yet, which leaves an open door for being able to to step into it. Um, and it was a conversation with him where he was talking about not being able to communicate with people and that it's creating loneliness for him. And uh, I imparted on him that it might be that way now, but it doesn't have to be that way forever. And if you just say, hey, I don't know how to talk to people yet, right. then it affords you an opportunity to be able to do it. So uh, for sure, my first book will be called Yet. And will you co-author it with him? Uh, maybe. Yeah, he's a whippersnapper. <laughs> so yeah, there's a chance for sure. He's deeply wise. Um, so there's a good chance I didn't think about it that way. So maybe I will. What is your favorite quote? You know, I, I really do feel like right now 
it, it is that um, unspoken expectations or premeditated resentments because I just think people are scared to speak their truth. I'm, I'm like mad at the world right now for hiding reality. Mm. It's like fucking say it. Like tell the fucking truth. It's real. It's happening over there anyway. So what value are you getting by not, by hiding it? You're, what you're really afraid of is you're afraid of the people you don't want to be friends with. Because if the people you're friends with, if you say anything, they're going to love you. And by getting stuff out, it frees us up. Um, and it gives the other person an opportunity to either show up or move along. And it's like, wh why am I hiding my reality right now to save something that I wouldn't want to save if I told the truth? Like, doesn't make sense to me. And yet when I'm that way, it feels very disruptive to people around me. And I'm like coming to terms with it and actually falling in love with it right now. Yeah. I guess the disappointing part is that everything I'm afraid of happening is going to happen. But what I have to fall in love with is that what I don't know is going to show up. I was going to say that because now as painful as it is, you're allowing what's meant That's for right. you at your point in life right now. That's right. You know, and I think we always have to remind ourselves like every chapter of our life serves a purpose and every person that's connected to us is supposed to be there during that moment and life is happening right now in the present moment and maybe right now in the present moment this is where it's supposed to go and I think surrendering letting go detaching from outcomes is really where it's at what was your favorite part of this episode huh. my favorite part is that we started off with I'll talk about anything and if there was one thing I didn't think I was ready to talk about it would have been my relationship yeah. so you put me to the test you know I put myself to the test um, and I feel like I would just said I would. I feel free. It feels okay to talk about because it's real. And, you know, I there's a part of me that's like, ah, is it right for my partner? You know, is it is is it too early? And what what pain could I create? And it's like, but it is. It it is what it is. So what am I hiding and who am I hiding it for? And for what? Like it is what it is. Like, and by the way, it doesn't mean it's over. But it is right now. And if I sign up to be on a podcast and if the whole spirit of these things are to wake people up and to some part of themselves that they're ignoring or that they want to be, that they're interested in investigating, then I've got to play full out. And so my favorite part is the part that I'll probably walk out the door going, I'm not sure I should have went there. And I know at the end it will have been right. What can people expect from you next? Whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> yeah, that's my answer. If it's blunt and whatever with Brian, I literally say it out loud and it's disruptive for people around me, but I do whatever the fuck I want. So As you looked what, right into the camera. That, that's right. With that that's one. what they can expect from me. And last, but certainly not least, if you had the attention of the whole world for five minutes, what would you say? Stop. I would say stop. 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 Um, trying to live up to others' expectations. Look in the mirror and with everything you have, tell that person that you love them. Remember to breathe. Remember to dance. Remember to rest. Remember to nourish your body. Remember to say thank you. Tell the people that you love that you love them. Hug somebody and be nice to strangers. I appreciate you. Appreciate you too. For those of you who'd like to connect with Brian more, you can visit Instagram at Brian C. North. Brian with an I. 
Don't type in Brad. Don't type in Brain. Don't. Oh, this is a, this is a joke <laughs> in my life. No one spells my name right. Brian B R I A N, middle initial C, last name North. And are you taking on any clients for your coaching, or is it just strictly within your brokerage? Center? I am. The program. It's a program, and it's called Confront You. Um, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, when I was at my rock bottom, I didn't have anybody to save me. You know, it really is lonely at the top unless you make it different. And with a lot of the things that I shared on here of things I was embarrassed about, um, the only place I could start with was confronting myself with my brutal reality that I had created for myself. I was not a product of external circumstances. I was a product of a compilation of decisions that I had made that got me to that moment. And I had to sit down and literally dissect every compartment in my life from my peer group, the, my diet choices, my exercise, my rest and recovery, the bullshit stories I was telling myself, the truths that I thought were truths that are non-truths, um, the lies. I had to unpack belief systems. I was tricked by society. Um, all of us have been socially conditioned. Um, and I got mad about that in a really good way. And, uh, and I've put it into, I've, I've formula, formulized it. Um, and so, yes, I am taking on clients. Let's start with Instagram. And then uh, we can open up a conversation from there. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Appreciate you too. Yeah.